Thank you for joining Cyber Center of Excellence for Cyber Insiders. This 10-part series features a star-studded lineup of San Diego business leaders from various industries who will share their biggest challenges and lessons learned when facing cybersecurity threats. If the pandemic taught us anything, no sector is spared from these costly breaches. New challenges increased by remote working and the global shortage of qualified cyber professionals present critical security issues for companies large and small. We'll hear insights and lessons learned from thought leaders in some of the region's key sectors, starting with defense, maritime, life sciences, manufacturing, tourism, and more. That will help all companies prepare for the systemic risk. Welcome back to another episode of Cyber Insiders. This is podcast 22 for those of you keeping track, and we are here to discuss very important cybersecurity challenges and lessons learned impacting the maritime industry. Um, and we have two awesome guests that represent San Diego's maritime industry. I'm very excited for, for our guests to hear from these great experts today. We've got Billy Marsh, who's CISO at the Port of San Diego, and Chris Tehovage, who's Emergency Management and Force Readiness and a Security Specialist with the U.S. Coast Guard, Sector San Diego. Gentlemen, great to have you on today's program. Thank you for Thank having you. us. All right. So, Billy... Um, appreciate you having on the show. Would love to have you give our listeners a little bit of a, an overview on your background and role here at the, the Port of San Diego. Definitely. Oh, geez. Let's see. Background. Okay. Um, I've been in uh, security probably 15, 16 years at this point. Uh, started out actually in the medical sector, um, doing security for them. Um, transitioned for a little while to the, uh, to the dark side, I guess, if you could call it that, uh, on the red team side, uh, actually doing the attacking, doing the, uh, the adversarial simulation and things of that nature. And then uh, I, I landed here at the port. Um, I was actually one of their security analysts uh, for a couple of years before becoming the CISO. Um, and that's just, that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Love it. Well, great to have you on and appreciate, I think you'll have some unique perspective then from, from both sides of the fence then on this as well. So um, great to have you. Thank you. All right, Chris, welcome to the show. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Um, so a little bit about my background. Uh, I am the security specialist at uh, Coast Guard Sector San Diego. Uh, I've been in that role for almost two years. It'll be two years in June. Um, so I am the maritime security liaison, cyber liaison for the captain of the port, Captain Tim Borelli. Um, and prior to that, I was 22 years active duty with the Coast Guard stationed all the way from Jonesport, Maine to Virginia, Louisiana, Northern California, and wound up here in Southern California um, and retired in 2019 to stay. So we just absolutely love it here. Thank you for your service. And yeah, it looks like you've uh, you've got the four corners of the country covered. So good stuff. Yeah, it was a great career. Absolutely. And it sounds like you've made a great home in our in our fine city here as well here in San Diego. Absolutely. Love it here. All right. Well, we're going to really going to talk about. So, you know, a lot of folks might not even be too familiar with maritime cybersecurity. And the reality is it's really become a a major global focus. And, and Chris, I want to kind of kick things off with the first question on your end. You know, reading a lot of reports where maritime transport is accounting for close to 90% of world trade. Um, and then related to that, there have been a number of cyber attacks on this industry uh, with numbers 400% increases over the last two years, according to Naval Dome. 
So we'd love to have our listeners learn a little bit more about how the Coast Guard is really tackling some of these increased threats to really keep our water safe here in San Diego and beyond. Sure. What a great question, Kevin. Thank you again. And thanks to Gene for producing the show and having me on today. Um, and a special thanks to Lisa Easterly of the San Diego Cyber Center of Excellence for arranging, arranging today's event. Uh, first, on behalf, of, on behalf of Captain Tim Borelli, he is the sector commander for Sector San Diego and all of the Coast Guard City here in San Diego. Uh, it's an honor to be a part of this unique opportunity. So as you mentioned, uh, the maritime transport accounts for nearly 90% of the world trade, which is approximately $5.4 trillion, that's with a T, that flows through the maritime transportation system. So in 2017, and Billy can attest to this, um, there was an economic impact report for the Port of San Diego's overall economic impact that was $9.4 billion. In 2021, the Coast Guard released its cyber strategic outlook where analytics shown a hacker attacks every 39 seconds on an average of 2,244 times per day. That is a lot of time on a hacker's uh, schedule to do some nefarious acts. So to tackle these uh, increased cyber threats that can impact the maritime transportation system and keep our waters here safe in San Diego and beyond, Sector San Diego is taking several courses of action. Uh, first, we are defending and operating our own enterprise mission platform, including all of our technology to thwart adversary interference and posture our forces to achieve mission success. Uh, second, we protect the maritime transportation system by employing frameworks, standards, and best practices in prevention and response activities to identify and manage cyber risk to the maritime transportation system. The captain of the port here promotes cyber risk management, accountability, and the develop and implementation of unified response plans through our local area maritime security committee. Here in San Diego, we're in constant communication with the Coast Guard's Maritime Cyber Readiness Branch and how we can better utilize and promote the Coast Guard's cyber protection team that offers free, yes, I did say free, mm. cybersecurity services to those stakeholders that use maritime transportation system. We are also here in San Diego at the sector in the process of hiring a mar maritime transportation system cybersecurity specialist at the sector and that individual cultivate partnerships, establish processes for maritime transportation system protection, intelligence gathering, and cybersecurity incident response. And that individual and I will work together hand in hand to make the Coast Guard here in San Diego uh, a cyber force to be reckoned with. Uh, lastly, we embed cyber planning in our, in our traditional missions and execute cyberspace operations that combine the services unique authorities and capabilities and the workforce to deliver mission success. Um, we collaborate with our Department of Homeland Security partners to execute operations through law enforcement and military spectrums to impose costs on criminal actors or nation state adversaries. Also in San Diego at the Area Maritime Security Committee, we have a cyber security subcommittee in which Billy is the chair and myself, I'm the vice chair and our committee is comprised of local, state, and federal maritime partners that collaborate together to disseminate information on new and evolving cyber threats and how to best come to combat these potential future attacks. Hopefully that answers your question, Kevin. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, always nice to, well, one, definitely a little eye-opening just to hear the volume of, you know, nefarious activity. 
Um, but nice to see from a, a job growth standpoint that uh, pre- appreciate a shout out for a new job opening in the space too. No shortage of those, it seems, in our region as well with the growth we're seeing there. That's for yeah. sure. And those positions actually are being hired across the Coast Guard at all the operational units everywhere. Great. We'll appreciate that. And, and maybe a, a segue just sort of on the, the topic of cyber attacks impacting you know, the maritime space as well. I know, unfortunately, the port of San Diego was the victim of a cyber attack a few years back. Um, Billy, would love to learn a little bit more about some of the lessons learned um, on your end from that cyber attack um, that you can, that you're able to share here with our listeners. For for sure. Yeah, definitely. And um, I just, real quick, I also wanted to echo, uh, we did uh, the port of San Diego did take advantage of some of those uh, Coast Guard services that Chris was just mentioning and they were free and they were actually really good. So if anybody has the opportunity to take advantage of those, please do so. Um, you'd be doing yourself a great service and the, the price is fantastic as well. But yes, we, we unfortunately did go through a, uh, a cyber event. Um, we were actually quite fortunate in many regards. Um, we did have good, a good backup system. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that I wanted to, to key in on a little bit is, um, you know, we, we were able to restore relatively quickly. We were able to, to run our payroll when we needed to. And, and a lot of these uh, maritime systems, uh, they're really dependent on, on things like time cards. They have very uh, time sensitive constraints. But um, I, I just wanted to mention, so one of the big lessons learned is have a plan. Uh, an, an incident response plan, a disaster recovery plan, a business continuity plan, um, and review those plans every so often. You know, take a look at them, make sure that they're current. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a, a full overhaul of that plan. Just you know, skim through it and say, all right, yeah, this this information is still relevant, or this stuff is not relevant, or these phone numbers have changed, uh, or these positions have changed, kind of thing, and, and keep your plans current. Um, on top of the, the plans and keeping them current, drill on the plans, um, drill and drill and drill. Um, even, even a little bit of muscle memory helps a lot when a, um, a hypothetical becomes a reality. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing where you, you want people to know where those plans are stored, the, the incident response plan, the disaster recovery plan, the business continuity plan. When something happens, uh, you know, things pick up really fast and, you don't want to have to read through, you know, a novel and learn this for the first time. You want to have have that muscle memory in place already to uh, to be able to to kind of run with the plan and and to have some familiarity with it, because you're you're dealing with an incident on top of wanting to uh, you know d- deploy this uh, this incident response plan. So so Billy, how how quickly are we talking here? So you know the port finds out you know there's something going on. You've got the you've got the disaster response plan, the incidents response plan, et cetera. Like, you know, are we talking like within seconds and minutes, like it's go and you're doing, you know, 15 things at once? Like, I'd love to just get a little bit more detail Definitely. in terms of like, you know, what actually happens once right. you know you find something. So as as soon as you are aware that there is an incident, it's it's really fast paced. Yeah, there there are 15 things going on at at once. So the, the incident response plan, so the security team and probably part of the network team would be, would be operating on the incident response plan. A different part of the organization would be probably looking at the disaster recovery plan and a different part would be looking at the, the business continuity plan. So sometimes um, there's, 
depending on the size of the organization, there might not be that many people. So you want to, you want to take into account, you know, some people are going to be working on the incident response plan, but sometimes those same people are also going to have to work on the business continuity plan. So on top of, you know, assessing the damage and figuring out how big of an impact this is, um, at the same time, other an, an, another team is going to be trying to figure out, okay, what, what systems are affected? How are we going to move forward with our mission critical things? Um, and if, if your plans don't, don't, don't have a, uh, a contingency for that, where, hey, this, this one person might be doing both of these jobs, um, they're, they're going to be pulled in, in multiple different directions at the same time. So that's, that's something to consider when laying these plans out is maybe, maybe two or three plans are going to be executed at the same time. And you want to make sure that there isn't so much overlap on one individual that, that they're going to be uh, uh, more of a detriment to your plan as, as opposed to a, a, a helper. Absolutely. So, so it sounds like, you know, obviously lesson learned, you know, making sure ensuring kind of plans are in place, et cetera. Anything else that you could point out kind of coming out of that, that attack that you'd recommend? Oh yeah. Um, also those, those plans should uh, include backup processes um, should you not have access to key systems. So I was mentioning the time card system. So on top of your systems being down, there are things that still need to happen. You know, ships are still going to come in to port. Uh, if you have, uh, so for us, for example, we have a, a, a law enforcement component attached to our port. Uh, we have the Harbor, Harbor Police um, and their timekeeping is critical. Um, we have to enter their time cards every day. So, so have a backup process or uh, say the dispatchers, um, you know, their backup system would be to go to cards. Uh, same with with Harbor Police, their their backup would be to go to manual time cards um, to to be able to keep track of those types of things. Um, another thing that I would mention as a uh, a good lessons learned is have a clearly defined roadmap um, for where you want to be in five years and and prioritize those items. Because um, when when I started here at the port, um, we had our incident maybe six months later. It was it was not a lot of time, so we were we were just kind of assessing everything, taking a look at, at what was going on internally, and where we wanted to have the port in five years. And because we had that list, that five year plan turned into about a nine month plan. We were able to execute it on it really fast and be able to say, all right, well, all these systems are down. Let's implement these things that we've been wanting to do, and it uh, it, it really helped us out in um, you know not not just helping uh, secure the network from, from where it was at uh, post-attack, but also to uh, keep that security kind of forward-focused for the years to come and, and basically say, yeah, you know, we're, we're, in a good we're in good shape because we were able to implement these things early on um, and then strengthen those things as time went on. I appreciate that. And yeah, always nice to, uh, to, to be on a new job and six months later to kind of go through that. So yeah. the, the practical, the practical <laughs> experience there for sure. And um, you learn a lot of things about the network really quickly. That's a good, it's a great point. So, <laughs> um, you know, we have seen, you know, the news, the word supply chain, obviously with delays, et cetera, has been a big part of that, but ultimately too, there have been some supply chain attacks, um, you know, and some, Four million dollar, kind of you know, average cost associated with a data breach um, when it comes to a, a supply chain attack. And so, 
So, Chris, I know you're you know leading sort of incident management and preparedness here at the Coast Guard. Any other best practices, let's say, applicable to a small and medium-sized business that would likely often be the entry point for one of these attacks? Any recommendations you have on that front? Sure, Kevin. Yeah, that, that's a, another great question. Um, so a lot of these small to medium-sized maritime businesses, they're regulated under the Maritime Transportation Security Act which requires them to have facility security plans. Um, so this year, the Coast Guard has provided guidance to assist these facilities to update their plan with a specific cybersecurity annex um, by October of this year. So my recommendation to them, I would encourage these facilities to use all the available existing guidance as they develop this cybersecurity annex for their plan and conduct an assessment of their cybersecurity footprint to get an accurate account of where their vulnerabilities are. We do have some maritime businesses that are not regulated under the Maritime Security Transportation Security Act. And my recommendation for them is I would encourage them, as Billy mentioned before, develop their own form of a prevention plan that addresses cyber threats and mitigation strategies and, you know, take that responsibility upon themselves, you know, not um, being required by federal regulations. Um, another recommendation I'd have to that these maritime businesses is to get involved with their local area maritime security committee and subsequent cybersecurity uh, subcommittee so that they're aware of the latest information sharing on cyber threats. You know, as I talked before, the Coast Guard cyber protection team provides, you know, I'm sure you remember, what is it, Kevin? A free, yes, I said free service. All right. Do we have a website or uh, somewhere we can point people on yep. that? Exactly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Be happy to. Um, and so this free service, they perform a non-regulatory uh, in-depth assessment of a company or organization's cyber network over a two-week period. And at the very end, they deliver a final report that's shared with themselves and the local Coast Guard on findings and recommendations to enhance their cybersecurity posture. Um, and we're actually very fortunate here in San Diego and on the West Coast, we're getting our own cyber protection team located this summer um, in Northern California and Alameda. Um, so if we were to have an incident, they, their services would be much more quicker than to come from the East Coast where they're based out of um, to assist in a response of a cybersecurity incident. Um, and finally, I would urge these businesses to conduct training and disseminate information within the company. Um, you know, the more people know, the more they train to avoid a potential cyber attack the more prepared the business will be. Um, you know, my 16 plus career in marine safety and prevention, it's always less expensive to prevent and less chaotic than to respond. Um, so that's what I would say to these businesses to keep that supply chain going. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the economic impact, you know, that was from several years ago of what the Port of San Diego, you know, brings to the, the country. It's sure it's, it's even more now um, so to keep everything flowing and, you know, just a great city that San Diego is, you know, to keep it safe and secure. Well, appreciate that. And I know, you know, there's obviously a lot of lessons that businesses can learn impacting the maritime industry. But I, I want to kind of flip the script, if you will, a little bit here, Billy, um, and really kind of find out more. You know, you mentioned you mentioned what happened six months into your into your role, you know, fast forward to right now. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing as, as port CISO um, and how can the industry help when it comes to cybersecurity challenges? Sort of what are you seeing out there? So um, 
uh, it's actually one of those things where, where pretty much every industry is seeing this. Um, I, I think the thing that's most top of mind for me in uh, a maritime context is fishing. Um, mm. There's there's so much fishing, it's constant. And it's this, this kind of weird cat and mouse game where we figure out, oh, okay, you know, they're using this tactic and we put rules in place that uh, automatically, you know, uh, Bitbucket, whatever emails are coming in with, with those signatures. And then they change it. And, and then they, they keep getting in. So it's, it's one of those where we just have to train our users and, and from the security side of things, not make those users not want to talk to the security guys. You know, we don't want to be condescending. We, we want them to know that they can approach us, that, that we're friendly, we're, we're, we're here to help. If they clicked on something, we're not going to, you know, talk down to them or assign them 60 hours of cybersecurity training. Um, we, we want them to come and, and report things and be like, oh yeah, you know, I, I clicked on this link and I don't think it was a legitimate link. Like we, we want to know those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just, just training and, and making sure that the security team is, is approachable as approachable as possible. Um, so that they come and they talk to us and, and you, you keyed in on, on the other thing that's, that's pretty top of mind is uh, supply chain and, and third parties. Um, there's, there's not a lot you can really do at that standpoint. Like you can protect yourself as much as possible, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, there's still has to be some trust between yourself and the vendors. Um, and, and these are things like, you know, the, the cloud infrastructure that, that most industries are moving toward and secure and either security as a service infrastructure as a service, uh, all that, uh, adoption is it's all third party and, you, you can have them tell you, you know, we do, we follow these guidelines and principles and frameworks. Uh, we do pen testing once a year, that kind of stuff, but there's really no way of validating what they're telling you. So you, you kind of have to give them some trust. And I mean, if it's a reputable company, they're, they're not going to operate for too long if they're just lying about their security work. Um, but at the end of the day, you really don't know. So it's the kind of thing where um, you can't really secure somebody else's platform. And there's also reliability uh, issues that come into play with it as well, where if that service goes down, let's say you, you're hosting a critical service on a third party and that third parties, you know, they, they, they mess up their DNS and it's down for half the day. What are you going to do? I mean, you can rely on your, your disaster recovery, business continuity plan, but that's the problem with efficiency is if you put so much trust into that third party and you're relying on them and you can't really have a backup system in place, you know, what do you do when it goes down? You're, you're just down hard and you hope they come back up soon. Um, same with securing those, those third parties. You can, if you have any kind of, you know, remote access into your systems, you want to make sure that they uh, either multi-factor authentication when they're connecting in uh, or there's a schedule or, or there's only, you know, cer- certain vetted individuals that can connect into your systems or, or do work on your site or on your tenant in their system. But at the end of the day, there's, there's a lot of trust there and it's very easy to abuse that trust uh, in multiple ways. Yeah. And I think a lot of the past episodes that we've really been dissecting the anatomy of a hack, you know, that third party resource is a lot of the larger hacks over the last year or two always seems to be the third party vendor, you know, that, that there was a loophole or something missed. And that's how the, the threat was initially sort of deployed, if you will. So um, great points there. And I know you meant phishing with a PH, not with an F. 
Right. Even though we're in the maritime space, because right. I you threw me for a loop almost there, and I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, those, I was like, wow, there are a lot of fishing boats out there. No, nope, yeah, you I know that it. that bluefin tuna is you know in short supply right now. <laughs> um, but absolutely, fishing attacks. You know, we've seen it with past guests in terms of proper training protocols um, as well. So appreciate that, um, and I know we're we're just getting here towards the the end of our of our time here so i think i want to give you both a good window here to to kind of share some insight that you've really learned from serving in the cybersecurity trenches if you will of the maritime industry that could really help our audience kind of navigate these threats going forward so so chris i'll have you start at the top here you know kind of what would you say would be your your top points here lessons learned and sharing points here for for folks out there sure thanks kevin um really just just two main points that you know that i've been in this position you know going on two years and i did some cybersecurity um, stuff right before my active duty time but n- number one is prevention you know billy talked about it earlier we you know prevent through exercises you know real world scenario exercises prevent through plans that you actually utilize and, and review annually and, and or semi-annually, however often you need to, um, you know, prevent through training. Make sure that your personnel are trained on, you know, cybersecurity best practices within your organization or your company um, and just constantly prevent, 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 you know, and, and hopefully you can do the best. But, you know, like Billy said, if something does happen, you know, you don't want to be the holder of that information. You want to get that out to the appropriate parties um, so that people can take action, you know, and bring in those resources to do that. Um, And then my last thing would be is, you know, information sharing. You know, as I mentioned, our cybersecurity subcommittee, we meet, um, you know, we have people of all sorts of background, private industry, um, local, state, federal, law enforcement, multiple organizations within the Department of Homeland Security. And you just never want to be the individual with the information that, you know, if you had sent it out to the, that one person and they read it, they could take action to prevent, you know, a potential catastrophic cybersecurity attack. Um, so, you know, we constantly share information. There's so many people out there that, that have that, those resources and tools available that you know, you'll get the same information four or five times in a day, and, and that's okay. I would rather get that multiple times knowing it, it's, it's that important um, amongst the, the cyber industry um, than, you know, be the last one to hear about it. Um, so that's what I, I would say, Kevin, leave you is, you know, prevention and, and information sharing. All right, Billy, on your end, what are you, what are you feeling these days in terms of recommendations from, from sort of your time in the trenches as well? Right. And um, so in the all the years that I've been doing this, it, it always comes down to just basic computer hygiene. Everyone loves those, you know, those flashy products. They go to a they go to a vendor conference and they, they learn about new things and new you know, solutions that are going to fix all their problems. But they they don't really work. And, and at the end of the day, just basic computer hygiene uh, is the best return on investment that you can do in any organization. And it's going to prevent the most attacks. So patch management, keeping your systems up to date and multi-factor authentication in as many places as possible. If you do nothing else, do those two things. And that will, that will harden your system to the point where it'll at least give you enough time to 
to know that there's a, uh, a, a possible issue going on and protect your systems as much as possible. And if you wanted to go for extra credit, you know, harden internet facing assets as much as possible, validate your backups. And again, information sharing, just to touch on what Chris was saying as well with those things, you know, you'll, you'll have a lot more awareness, but at, at the bare minimum, multi-factor authentication and patch management. I appreciate that. I think, you know, MFA being multi-factor authentication being super important these days. And, you know, I appreciate that and pass phrases as opposed to past words, yep. um, you know, as well. So I think that's great gentlemen. And, you know, we're, we're about out of time, but you know, obviously there's a, a heck of a lot going on in the maritime space um, here in the region and appreciate the fact that we've got both of you on our side here. Hopefully take, taking care of uh, the, the community. So thank you again um, for sharing your, your insights and experience as leaders in the space. Um, Want to let our listeners know to stay tuned for our next episode with cyber leaders from the life sciences industry um, as we really talk through lessons learned in, in that space. Um, I know we talked about a resource out there that I believe the, the Coast Guard has. Is there a, a website, uh, Chris, that we can mention here to our listeners? Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, if you essentially um, go to Google, you can type in Coast Guard Cyber Command. Um, and then the first uh, web link that pops up should be, you know, something related to that. And within that, you'll see a subset there for the cyber protection team. Um, but if for some reason folks are having difficulty finding any of that, I would ask them to reach, just reach out to their local um, Coast Guard sector, wherever they may be um, located with them, and they'll point them in the right direction. I love it. All right, great. And, and last but not least, there are a ton of awesome resources um, on the CCOE website, which is sdccoe.org for more resources, phone numbers, contact info, et cetera. So um, gentlemen, thanks again for the time. Um, great to have you all on board. And uh, thanks to our listeners. And we'll see you in another episode. Thank you for all having right. us. Kevin. Thank you again. Appreciate it. Take care, all.